Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 81 of the IoG for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, and today's guest is Graham Immerman, the VP of Marketing for Machine Metrics. And he joins us today to talk about data democratization and its role in manufacturing. He shares how companies are using data to improve ROI and some of the trends he's seeing in the IoT space where data is concerned. And for anybody out there who may be unfamiliar with machine metrics, they are focused on accelerating industrial digital transformation by providing an intuitive and flexible platform to easily collect data from any piece of manufacturing equipment machinery and transform it into powerful, actionable applications that reduce machine downtime optimize capacity and drive increased throughput and profitability for factories. I will say that Graham is a fantastic guest, lots of energy, lots of good insights to share. And I promise this episode will be worth your time. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Graham Emmerman of Machine Metrics. Welcome, Graham, to the IoT for All show. How are things going on your end? Things are going great, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat here. Um, we don't, we don't, it's not too uh, often that we get someone on the marketing side of a IoT business to, to be on the show. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, you want to start off by just kind of giving a quick background about yourself. You have a very interesting background as it relates to IoT marketing and working across a lot of different domains. I think it'd be great for our audience to get a little introduction to who you are. Yeah, sure. Uh, and yeah, I do appreciate you having me on. You know, the, having that uh, you know that, that name tag with the, with the marketing oftentimes will prohibit you from being in certain rooms. But uh, you know, I, I uh, just so yeah, for the listeners, you know, my name's Graham Emmerman. I'm uh, you know head of marketing at Machine Metrics. Uh, I actually started my career during the heart of marketing's early digitization, where the advent of the internet and social media changed the way that you know people systems and things interacted with one another. Uh, my excitement. You know, to join the manufacturing space was stemmed from the fact that while manufacturing produces more data than any major industry in the world, it has been notoriously slow to adopt that digital mindset that has transformed industries like marketing or healthcare, you know, banking, and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah. So, I guess my my excitement, you know, was to uh, you know take you know a company that was you know tackling this problem. And I was inspired to join them on that mission. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that company, Machine Metrics, kind of what you all do and the role you play in IoT? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, the funny thing about not having you know digitization, like the majority of the manufacturing industry, is that operating without this data right, leads to you know, massive inefficiencies and poor decision-making that affect every component of a manufacturing organization's operation from significant downtimes to production losses to, you know, inability to stay competitive. So Machine Metrics really started, right, to, to accelerate the uh, manufacturing industry's digital transformation by providing uh, an intuitive and flexible platform to easily collect and harness this data from manufacturing equipment and transform it into powerful, actionable apps mm-hmm. that reduce machine downtime, optimize capacity, and uh, really enable everybody within the manufacturing lifecycle who touches the machine data digital thread to uh, increase the throughput and profitability for uh, you know a company's factories. So you know, right now, we have hundreds of manufacturers that have connected thousands of machines to our platform. And uh, you know, we really have three components of the platform. An edge platform that's really the foundation of digital transformation, that automatic capture and transformation of machine data so it can be immediately harnessed to drive um, opportunities for improvement. Uh, 
Uh, we also have a cloud platform where that data is instantly and securely streamed, uh, where we then uh, layer a custom infrastructure designed to make that data immediately usable for instant analytics and insights, including machine performance, condition monitoring, and extensibility through APIs and BI integrations. And really the last piece of our business is, you know, um, it's all about transforming that data into, into to action. So we provide similarly like a Mac computer, when you buy it, we provide a bunch of out of the box yeah. apps, you know, like your keynote or, you know, and your, your Safari. In this case, you know, it's uh, real time dashboards, you know, historical reporting, rules-based workflows and text and email notifications uh, that deliver those optimized processes to the factory workers. But you could also build your own apps or seamlessly connect uh, with your current shop floor systems uh, to easily integrate that machine data across your digital factory. Why rebuild something that you've, you know, already have in place that works well. Right. 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 So now if, if, uh, you know, when you work with customers, um, kind of how does that customer engagement usually go and what stage are companies coming to you on? Are you, you know, usually coming, working with customers that reach out to you directly? Is it usually through a partner network or ecosystem that's kind of out there that you're part of? You know, how do you kind of generate the most, most business for the company and how, um, what does a typical customer engagement usually look like, um, Based on the role you all play in IoT solution, yeah, great question. You're, you're definitely talking to the right guy on, on that one. Uh, you know, being being marketing, we you know, and you know, speaking of digital transformation, you know, marketing really you know has taken over so much more of that buyer's journey right, right than ever before. Even than when I started back in you know when I was just a young lad you know, 2009, um, you know, and I think, um, you know, the, for, for us, you know, that, that, that we call it, it's the buyer's journey is not so different than the, the manufacturing analytics journey. And I'll take them kind of separately, but the way that customers come to us, you know, we've built a, uh, I would say a remarkably successful inbound funnel. So, um, in this, in this day and age, we do, uh, quite literally zero, uh, outbound, uh, outbound sales. Our sales team doesn't call companies at all. Um, as, as a company, and this may, coming from a marketing director, maybe this is why they don't allow uh, me on things like this because you, 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 you'll have to take me from our word on it. Our, our biggest issue as a company is that we quite literally have too many leads coming to us to call mm-hmm. them back. So um, what I mean by that is that you know our objective in, is identifying those companies to understand where they are in their buyer's journey. Right, um, and and also understand where they are in their analytics journey, which is where I'll kind of like transition over to the other side of things uh, to understand what type of value can we create for an organization. And I think uh, this is at the heart of of how to create successful IoT implementations. Is you know, it's not just about the technology, right? It's about the value that can be created for a company, and. That value is very much dependent based on where you are within your journey. Uh, you know, we've kind of coined that term manufacturing analytics journey because um, we have companies that come to us uh, at the early phases of their of their journey. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, many people might call this uh, descriptive analytics, which is just you know, literally like what's going on. You know, what is happening, right? And the truth is that most manufacturers don't actually know, you know, what's happening on the shop floor, right? Um, 
as well, some of the surveys that we've seen, uh, you know, the most prevalent surveys in the industry say that manufacturers are operating closer to, you know, 75, 80% of their capacity in their machine utilization. And, you know, machine metrics can tell you because we're connected to thousands of machines across the world that that number is actually closer to 25%. So, so, you know, uh, so when a company comes to us and they, you know, and, and they're looking for, for example, like an industrial IoT platform or, you know, how do we connect and monitor our equipment to better understand where we are today? Um, you know, we usually start, well, you know, do we actually know what is happening today? Um, but many companies know where that you know some companies know where they are right and they want to know you know well why you know we know we know that we're only at 25% but why right and this is you know diagnostics and diagnostic analytics which allows you to you know uh, collect data on and understand why current and past behaviors occurred so you can learn from it and improve um, i would say that the majority of manufacturers and and the the, um, the opportunity for manufacturers to improve lie within the descriptive and diagnostic phases of the analytics journey. Um, however, right, you also have companies that have like a you know an infrastructure right that's already built. Maybe they've collected data, right? Maybe they understand their problems, but they but they want to know when those uh-huh. problems are going to happen ahead of time, right? So they can stop them from happening in the first place. Now, how do they? forecast future patterns and capacity based on their past, right? Um, and in those cases, right, um, you know, you're looking at predictive analytics, right? Predictive maintenance, uh, predictive quality, right? And and those are use cases really that are, you know, the ones that deliver value for people at that phase. And, you know, in some instances, you have companies and, you know, and I mean this in, in, in all honesty, like rare occurrences, right? Where you have companies that are, that are able to predict when events are going to happen, but they don't know what, what they should do to actually create the, the, the optimization, right? So, and now I know that something's going to break. Now I know that we're behind. Now I know that the tool is going to crash, right? Um, what should I do? Right. And, and prescri- that's what we call prescriptive analytics at the heart of prescriptive analytics is automation, right? Which is not just good enough to predict what's going to happen, but how do you continuously recommend and adapt and and implement those solutions to prevent any of these problems from happening whatsoever, right? So, um, our stack, right? The fact that we have an edge platform and a, a cloud platform and the apps, for some companies, depending on where they are on their journey, we may just be those, you know, the, the data collection transformation, right? And the infrastructure component. And then they want to build their own apps, right? And they want to integrate that data into other elements. Some require the full stack. So that's that's usually the way that we go about trying to understand that is by kind of like analyzing that analytics journey and identifying what can create value. Makes sense. Do you have any um, any particular use cases you can kind of share to bring what you just said kind of into um, like a, a real life um, kind of example? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I think a classic use case for, um, you know, descriptive analytics is just like, well, what's happening right now? Like, are we on time? You know, and, you know, think about like the, the, the objective is to, you know, make, you know, more parts better, faster, right. for less, right? You know, at its core, that's manufacturing, right? Um, and, and you know, being able to see when that's not going to happen or when we're failing in real time is essential. So you can 
recalibrate your expectations. So, you know, a good example is that uh, you know many of the companies that we work with assume it takes a certain amount of time to make okay. a part, right? And they build out their their schedule. You know how long it takes to produce a certain number of parts, uh, the materials required to make a certain number of parts, and then and, and then um, uh, and then they price those parts. And they schedule the delivery of those parts according to how fast they can make those parts, right? But what if I told you that you know many manufacturers don't actually know how long it takes to make that part, right? And we find this all the time where manufacturers are building out their their you know what we call a cycle time standard, you know, based on you know certain assumptions, right? And and we find very often that it's actually maybe even half of what they expected, right? And if and if that's true, right? Then how does that affect the rest of the business? Well, um, a couple of ways, right? One, uh, the, the the literal like let's say like for example like the turning and milling time required goes into that part cost, right? The the man time and the hours on the machine go into that part cost, right? So if we're saying that it takes less time than we thought, then you could have more competitively priced that part than you previously thought. But the other side is let's say that you're making you know. 50,000 parts, you think it takes a minute, but it, you think it takes two minutes, but it actually takes one minute, right? Then instead of taking 100,000 manufacturing minutes, right, uh, uh, to, to make these parts, it's actually going to take 50,000. So where, 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 did, where, where did you use the rest of those 50,000 minutes? And the answer is that machines just sit there, not used to their total capacity. And and, and to take that one step further, companies assume that they're using their equipment to their optimal capacity. So they're, they're buying new equipment, right? When they don't actually need it. And we have a customer in this, you know, to give you a case study of this, that was, um, you know, they installed machine metrics and they had about 15, uh, they were about to, I think, uh, they were going to, they just placed an order for $14 million or so in new equipment. And they installed machine metrics and they found out that they were using their machines about 22% of the time. And they canceled that order. And so within the first week of using machine metrics, they actually they saved $14 million on buying equipment they didn't need because they they couldn't see what was happening in real time. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a very interesting kind of just example because I mean at the heart of it, that's that's what IoT is all about, right? Providing this, this data and this information that wasn't accessible before and being able to interpret and understand it regardless of your technology background experience level kind of thing. And I think this ties really well into kind of the next point I wanted to bring up, which is something we actually don't talk about, or at least we don't call my name um, in a lot of our discussions around data democratization. And I think it'd be great if at a high level, if you could define that term for our audience and kind of what it means, because um, it definitely seems like it's something that is playing a very large role in getting, you know, equipment as a service to be something that's, that's getting moved into, you know, requires basically a fundamental adoption of new ways of thinking, kind of new paradigm, um, uh, ways of doing things for both OEMs and manufacturing business to, in a sense, drive new revenue and increase innovation. And I'd love to kind of just start off by, um, having you define what data democratization is and kind of how it's contributing 
to these wow. new ways of thinking and how it's driving new business, increasing revenue, um, and just kind of opening it up for greater possibilities and new business in these kinds of organizations. Absolutely. And, you know, you're absolutely right. The value of data just can't be under understated, especially, frankly, during the, the current times that we're living in, right? We have on our hands, right, a whole new arsenal of data to drive decisions in, in that com- increasingly complex uh, environment. Manufacturing in particular, these companies are looking for any edge that they can get to be competitive in a very heavily globalized economy, not to mention how they can build a more sustainable, resilient, uh, as an article that I read uh, recently, an anti-fragile economy of the future. Um, so, you know, kind of en- enter, you know, data democratization. Uh, I I like to say that uh, you know I'm a, a huge proponent of this personally and uh, an advocate, if you will, because I think it's uh, one of the keys that will unlock the value of Industry 4.0. But the the goal of data democratization is to really enable anybody to use data yeah. at any time to make decisions with no barriers or to access or to understanding. And I think you know until recently, right, data. Uh, especially at least in manufacturing, right, was owned by IT departments, right? The business units like like marketing, business analysts, executives use data to make decisions for the business, but they always had to go through the IT department to get it, right? And, and this is the way it's always been for like, you know, better half of a century, right? Uh, but as we all know, right, data is crucial uh, uh, and, and critical as companies, uh, you know, uh, and their ability to manage it effectively. So while companies are making strides, most companies are focused on and have uh, uh, on on kind of like holding that data within these silos and have difficulty maximizing the return on investment that that data and drive uh, specifically with innovation at scale. So um, I believe that this is one of the top constraints. Uh, on data democratization in general, so you know, enter right uh, a new um, you know a new world right where um, you know IT and OT systems right platform and software vendors, equipment builders, research, education uh, um, that data is now made not just available but consumable right. You know, if you know, and the value of data democratization is not just opening up a data lake and, you know, all right, 100%. You, know, you know, now, you know, you're Mr. Operator, take a look at this raw data lake and why you weren't able to drive value, right? Um, the, the value in data democratization is, 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 is transforming that data into usable models, right? That um, enable. Uh, the transformation into more like agile opportunities, Absolutely. more readily being capable of connecting with each other, right? And and that's kind of the exciting part, right? Because you know, again, this is you know my opinion, but I think it, it's backed by our, our company's opinion too. Is that uh, we believe that to unlock the value of automation in the future of you know manufacturing or all industry, I think for that matter is, is, is through a laser focus on what everybody does best to reveal a more sustainable, um, uh, industrial economy, right. Where, where everybody's, uh, you know, for example, right. We're focused on manufacturing equipment data, right. 
we're not we're not we're not focused on other elements of the digital factory like transportation right or um you know because how could we opine on something that specific um as well as on something as complex as the load speed speeds temperatures rotary velocities diagnostic pmc parameters coming off you know uh you know 1000 different types of cnc cutting tools right <laughs> uh so, so yeah, that, I think that's the that's the gist behind data democratization. Um, yeah, it, it makes total sense. I mean, I, I, if you're if you know you mentioned that this is your opinion, but it's backed by a lot of things. I think if if for some reason you're wrong, then I'm wrong, and a lot of people out there in this space are wrong. Um, I mean, the, the, the more readily available you can make data and not just available, but also easily understood, the better an organization is able to make decisions in a timely manner versus having to go through one department, which becomes the bottleneck for the interpretation of data, the collection of data and, you know, um, kind of just the overall relaying of the data. So the, the and that's what IoT at a, at a high level is focused on doing is pulling data in from things we couldn't collect before across the entire life cycle of a solution or a process or a business and making it readily available to those people who need to be able to use it you know, in real time or in, in somewhat of a timely manner, right? Like not all data being pulled in real time. I get that, but you just, it's just much makes decision-making more quick, uh, quickly done. It, it allows it to be interpreted and presented in a way that everyone in the company can understand for their given role. Um, and I think that's just super powerful, but of course, with trying to do that, there comes a lot of challenges yeah. in implementing that across the company, right? Especially in a manufacturing industrial type atmosphere. So from your experience, what kind of challenges have you seen in trying to implement this, um, and br- bring data democratization to larger corporations or any, I guess any corporation, um, in a manufacturing setting or an industrial setting, because we know that if it's achieved the opportunity to continuously improve the life cycle across a manufacturing business is so much greater than it's ever been possible before. But there are challenges. And I think it's important to note those challenges. I'd love to kind of get your take on that. I totally agree, Ryan. You know, I, I would answer this question in two different ways as, as, as succinctly as I'm capable of my uh, ever non-succinct way. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, firstly, I think that companies who are able to democratize data uh, have an attitude organizationally dedicated to uh, to embracing the opportunities enabled through industry 4.0 and automation right so uh, a good example and I, you know again I, I love this company because I thought it was so cool um, you know I was down at Nissan um, oh, sometime last year and uh, one of the ways that they they've built out you know an ability to Democratized data is that they 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 literally started like a, a a university at like their one of their largest plants uh, dedicated to training employees on the value and the opportunities and the ability to upscale their employees to be ready to support initiatives like this in the future. Right. The the simple fact, and I, I remember when I was on a, a panel about this, and I may have elicited some gasps when I when I contrarily stated this, but uh, you know that you know everybody's essentially agreeing that you know automation isn't gonna isn't gonna remove jobs, right? And 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 I, was like, I, I don't agree. It, it categorically will remove jobs. That's that that's the whole idea, right? But it, but it will also create opportunities to for for new jobs, right? Um, 
And, and while those might not necessarily replace at the same sure. quantity, right? It, 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 it's it's the new economy, right? And the and the new skill sets, right? So I think that the organizations that that tend to be successful uh, at, at enabling certain like data democratization mm-hmm. tend to have like an ethos of of a dedication to this, right? It's not like you know one week we're in, one week we're out, <laughs> right? It's like we've made organizational decision that like we're going to commit to uh, a business transformation uh, and and we have like someone who's going to lead us through that um, and, and you know that starts not just at the it, it does tend to start at the organizational executive level but we've communicated it all the way down to the operator level so everybody can have some part in this and not feel like you know they're they're being left out but the other answer that I would give to that is kind of like strategic, right? Which is that like most companies just maybe like, what is that strategy? Right. Um, I think, um, you know, enabling, you know, a data democratization strategy starts with kind of some, some, some basic foundational elements, right? Um, for example, like a data infrastructure, right? So, and I'll just I I'll use us like again machine metrics and manufacturing as an example just because I think it's it again it's what we're what I'm working in right but um, you know there are literally you know thousands of different types of machines and they they quite literally all speak different languages you know they 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 you know report data through anything from your protocols like MT Connect and Umadi and OPC UA and Modbus and Profibus uh, and then there are all these control makers you know like uh, uh, Fanuc and Siemens and Heidenhain and Haas uh, none of which I knew about four years ago before I worked in this industry but not intimately right and 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 then on top of that right uh, every machine has you know certain data points that are all you know relative to to that machine specific right so um, you know when we're talking about democratizing data. Um, for manufacturing equipment, it, every it starts with uh, standardizing. You're transforming all those data structures into one standard, right? And, and this is where companies like 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 I said, MT Connect and OPC UA and even Umadi. Um, for those of you that know, they're like data standards. They've kind of tried to come out and create a standard so everyone can ingest that data the same way. But you know, let me put it like this: like you know, you got the US. Empty Connect. You've got Germany. With you know, no one's gonna ever agree on one standard, right? So the so a company, right, an organization needs to be able to transform their data into a, a common data model, right? Um, and, and you know, that's something that, for example, like our platform was quite literally built to do, um, and why we're so you know we're trying to focus on that part of the of the transformation. But the data also then needs to be aggregated, accessible, and extendable from one central location. I think that's sure. you know, most often or not, you know, called an IoT platform, right? But it could also be like a BI tool, right? Because you make a number of different IoT platforms reporting data from all other elements of your business, right? Um, and then uh, finally, uh, you need to make that data actionable. And I think this is the part that I think a lot, a lot of people understand, which is, you know, the inner workings of a computer, right, are enabling, right, like these data infrastructures to take life. Right, but you can't access. You can't make a difference without using the applications. Right, you can't go on the internet without you know the Firefox, right, or the Chrome, right, or the the, the Safari, right. So um, you know, we find that like it's at the application layer where 
did the data almost like it's not gamified, but it becomes consumable, right? Um, and, and, and I think through that, right, whether it's through ours or through you know the thousands of other you know uh, platforms and applications that exist out there, um, you know, building that that technology stack that allows each of those various people within the organization to effectively consume and and take action on that data is, I believe, by definition, what data democratization is. Right. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think that I appreciate you sharing that. Now, on the at like a higher level, um, before we kind of wrap up, I want to ask you a couple more questions, but at a higher level from like machine metrics kind of viewpoint, what... Um, how do you view kind of the current state of of IoT? Are you noticing any certain trends or, and I guess in particular, has COVID kind of impact you all uh, in any capacity as far as what you're seeing in the industry as it applies to the collection of data and making data more readily available for organizations? Absolutely. I mean, what categorically, I could I could answer this question probably forever, but I'll try. I'll try. We are a data company, right? So that's you know at our core, it's what we do. And you know, uh, one thing that is really cool about uh, you know working on machine metrics that we uh, we have a virtual, private, multi tenant cloud, so we aggregate data you know, anonymously across all of our customers, um, which is and they all opt into. They're welcome not to, right? And, and to not to as well. But um, in doing so, we're able to report on certain trends that are happening in the industry that very few companies are, right? So um, you know, we we've been able to, for example, see the the various trends in you know uh, certain verticals that have been affected by COVID. You know, how, how, like automotive, you know, oil and gas equipment manufacturing, uh, you know. Um, you know, even you know, we're, we're just decimated, right? And that's well reflected in the data. We're actually able to see those slowdowns, you know, maybe 30 to 40 days before those are reported through like the most reputable economic sources because it's just, it's quite literally in the data that we collect. And, you know, we've been, you know, kind of layering some of that data on top of another other, you know, a number of other organizations in this this webinar series we've been doing and kind of trying to report on that data uh, to companies. And we're seeing there's, there's a, a heightened interest in 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 data being used at that aggregate level, right? This is this really ties back kind of to we're talking about data democratization, which is um, you know that that democratizing data isn't just you know siloed to the you know the factory, right? To to improve machine usage, right? And 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 a performance of of, of employees, right? But it's it, 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 we're seeing the interest level in data uh, is democratized to the business level, right? Where you know you're able to know you know how often you're using your machines, or to know you know what how much materials you're consuming, or trends within the industry. You it changes the way that you make decisions. Within the organization, on everything from hiring and firing to uh, you know to your supply chain management, right to your um, you know to your procurement, to your sales and marketing. So um, you know that's one of the trends that we're seeing is is that data being kind of I guess unsiloed even at the factory and you know multiple factory manufacturing level, but across the the org. But I think the biggest change that we're seeing overall is that manufacturers have. Come to this, you know, stark realization that you cannot not have uh, you cannot not have data, right? You, you know, the fragility of their businesses, right, is 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 causing um, this oscillation that can be just 
you know, annihilated through crises like the ones that we're experiencing. So, you know, how do you create, right? How do you support, how do you make your business less fragile, more resilient, right? Um, and, and I think, um, you know, the, the, and this is leading to a dramatic increase in interest to right, yeah. build that infrastructure today. So for us, you know, what's, what's kind of cool again about, you know, sounds like a product plug, but unintentional product plug, you know, we're, you know, we're able to, uh, you know, we don't have to go on site to integrate machines and, and connect systems. So, you know, for us, you know, our business hasn't actually slowed down this time. It's actually accelerated dramatically. Um, you know, I think companies are also looking for ways to get by with, with less, right? Um, and, and, you know, it's not just about cutting employees, right? And selling off old machines, right? It's about uh, where, like, how do you drive those decisions today and moving forward with data? And if you don't have that data infrastructure, right? If you don't have the ability to make those decisions, you don't have, you're just living in a reactive state where you're, you know, you, you know you're, you're living I, I totally behind. Agree, absolutely. You know, um, yeah. So... Yeah, so you know, I think um, at, at its core, you know, I think that um, you know the that that day has kind of like arrived. You know, that they at least everybody in the industry has all been waiting for, right? Where you know, I think manufacturers as as a, as an industries has realized that if it wants to proliferate, right, if we want to reorg, right, and and uh, and refortify the way that this this world operates, we need to do a couple things. One, we need to make data readily available uh, to our organization, right? Two, uh, we shouldn't be doing this alone, <laughs> right? And this is where the, the data democratization is huge, right? It's like, you know, you have so many manufacturers who are, you know, trying to build their own IoT platforms and build out their own connectivity and, you know, build out their own ERP systems. And it's like, that takes so many people and expertise and systems. And it's like, but if everybody were able to focus and align, right, their skills and technologies, um, uh, you can create an optimal right, formula right. for rapid and continuous value creation across all of the organizations, right? And I think that that's definitely one of the, the big pieces that we're seeing today. And that's not just through our manufacturing customers that come to us directly, but that's also through ERP that are you know also trying to make IoT plays or uh, you know the AWS and the Azure's of the world who you know are realizing that you, know, you can't sell a manufacturer you know uh, you know about like Athena and cloud formation and, and you know AWS IoT because they don't know what to do with it most of the time right um, and kind of have more like plug and play foundational components so I think um, you know that's at the core of the data democratization and it, it really is you know um, you know I think the the the, the thing that will unlock the value and and the and the anti fragility of the industry. I totally agree. I appreciate those insights. That's great. Kind of as we wrap up here, I wanted to ask you just a quick question about um, if there's anything kind of new and exciting happening over at Machine Metrics that we should be on the lookout for um, in the coming coming weeks, coming months. You know, you know, somewhere along the kind of near future. Um, and if our audience has any kind of uh, questions or insights that they would like to kind of learn more about, what's the best way to reach out? Yeah, they can. Be, uh, I can. I'll give you one quick, exciting thing. Um, first of all, you can always check out our website www.machinemetrics.com, or you can reach out to me directly at you know, Graham at machinemetrics.com, um, or use any of our contact forms, so on and forth, so forth. But um, we do have some exciting things going on in Machine Metrics right now. That um, you know, I think um, at least if you are involved in this industry, um, 
will be very exciting. Um, you know, recently, our, our team uh, had um, begun an initiative uh, early 2020 uh, to focus on the application of collecting high-frequency machine data uh, with the goal of accelerating predictive analytics use cases in manufacturing, specifically for machine tools. I think anybody who's listening works in manufacturing can probably agree that like the idea of predictive maintenance is great, but very few companies have actually been able to operationalize and, and, and uh, make actionable uh, the data that they're able to collect because it's, it's a messy, tedious activity to acquire, parse, and clean data to enable predictive maintenance use cases. And every time that tools break, it's expensive. And um, you know, when tools you know get damaged, they still make you know bad parts, which then leads to quality problems. And the truth is that these subtle anomalies in in the machine and, and the data that come off these machines um, have um, you know are, are not visible. In, in, in the world of what we call like low definition data collection, um, solutions on the market are just kind of unscalable, unreliable, and relatively expensive. So we actually found this, the, you know, discovered it kind of accidentally, which I feel like all best discoveries are found, uh, a unique way to collect one kilohertz data. Uh, directly from the control of CNC machines uh, without using any sensors that can immediately be used as an input to a time series or any machine learning model to predict machine failures. And this, I know this may not sound as insane to, to, to you, Ryan, or maybe it does, but it's like discovering right. high-definition okay. TV, right? It's like you know, you're watching The Godfather in low definition and you can still see the movie, right? But when you see in HD, you're like, oh, oh my God, there's that like a cancerous mole on Michael Corleone's face, right? <laughs> like someone's going to tell him, right? Um, so um, in this discovery, we're finding that the use cases are enabling extremely higher, uh, uh, higher adoption in use cases that can be immediately used for, uh, for predictive maintenance, like uh, things like optimizing tool life, uh, predicting tooling failures, uh, predicting quality problems that are happening in real time, uh, and even diagnosing problems that never was possible on, on machine tools before. So, and, and that's only possible because of our, our focus, right? On, on we do best. So um, that's, that's super exciting. We're really excited about it. You can learn more about it um, from us, but um, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, this, this episode, this conversation has been great. I think the insights you're sharing from your point of view, focusing on the data piece is something that we, we briefly touch on in episodes that we don't ever really dive deep into kind of the overall value it provides an organization across the board. So uh, especially as you compare it to the way things have been done in the past. So I really appreciate your time and the insights today. And um, loved having you as a guest. And we'd love to have you back uh, sometime in the future. Anytime, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, guys, hang on once a guest, and we'd love to have you back uh, sometime in the future. Anytime, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Thank you. 
All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to that episode of the IoT for All podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found a lot of value in it. If you did, I would truly appreciate it if you would leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. But please feel free to also subscribe to the podcast directly or our newsletter or social media to ensure that you get the latest episodes as soon as they become available. But other than that, if you have a guest you think would be a great guest on the show or um, somebody you'd love to hear their insights on the industry or kind of just their journey through the IoT space, please feel free to shoot me an email at ryan at iotforall.com. We'll do everything we can to get them on the show. Well, other than that, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.